Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life, in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. This week's TGIT is brought to you by yours truly, Amanda Lytle, the host of the Safe Haven Podcast, broadcasting live from Surrey, BC, in a trailer. A camping trailer. Guys, I'm glamping. I am glamping in Surrey, BC, and I am so not mad about it. I have my own big bed. I have running water, hot water, electricity. I've got a little space to sit and eat my food. I've got a what's it called? A couch. I've got a sitting area outside. I have a TV, haven't used it yet, but I've got my own space. I've got some green space outside. I feel very lucky. Thank you so much to Glenn and Julie Major. Glenn and Julie are two of my besties. I've known Julie for a very long time, very, very long time, since before high school. And Julie and I were just talking about it, actually, that it's been 11 years this year since she's moved out here. So I've been coming and going from Vancouver, well, really, since after my exchange, so in 2006, but more frequently since Jules moved out here 11 years ago. So yay to Jules being out here in BC. It is so beautiful. Now, I told you in last week's TGIT how when I was coming back to Vancouver, Jess was a rock star, picked me up from the airport, housed me at her place for a few days, and then Julie went into like kind of like mom mode, fix-it mode, bestie mode, just generosity mode, (laughs) and she did some problem solving. So, her parents are going to be going away for a little while. So I've actually lined up a really sweet house sitting gig, which means that finding accommodation isn't really necessary for the month of September because I will be staying at their place. However, I needed a place for October. For the interim, Julie had said to Glenn, the trailer's just sitting vacant. Why doesn't she just hang out there? So they figured it out. They got me hooked up, set up. I've got my own little oasis. And I could not be more grateful. So thank you, Julie and Glenn Major, Julie Johnston, but Julie Major is now what she goes by. I could not be more full and bursting from gratitude. I appreciate you both so much. Julie and Glenn met, oh gosh, about five years ago. And I really only got to know Glenn over the last few years. And there could not be a person more perfectly cookie cut for my jewels. Let me tell you. And they got engaged two years ago at the end of this year, actually. So about a year and a half, a year and eight months ago, nine months ago-ish. And when she got engaged, of course, she wanted me to stand in her wedding. Well, at the time, I was looking at finances and having to take two people out to BC thinking, you know, this is going to be a huge financial endeavor, Jules. I love you so much, but to rip out for a weekend in June... 
get married in July. She's like, now we've always talked about wanting to get married on the solstice. So it was kind of like I had to make one of those decisions, you know, man, I really want to go to this. I've always imagined being at Jules' wedding. I can't imagine missing it, but you know, end of the school year, exams, whatever. Brett was a teacher as well. So I don't know, thinking about getting the pair of us out there for a weekend was just, it just seemed too much. And especially because that was a summer that Brett and I were going to be driving across Canada. Anyway, we thought, well, I'm going to see you in two weeks anyways, Jules. So I love you so much. I don't think I'm going to be able to be there. You know, I'm going to be there in spirit. And she totally understood, obviously. Well, then June started to roll around. And I remember sitting in a parking lot and Darren, her brother, who I've also known for just as long as I've known Julie, called me and he's like, Amanda, I am not here to lay a guilt trip on you. I, that's not why I'm calling. I just wanted to let you know how much it, it would mean to Julie, to Glenn, to me, to Justine, to our family, my parents, to have you there. You know, you've been a big part of Jules life for so long. And here's me being like, I know, Darren, I know. I just don't know if I can swing it. So then he says, well, the reason I'm actually calling is because I don't know if you've heard about Swoop Airlines. They do super cheap flights. So it's actually not going to cost you as much as you think. And I did a bit of research and you should just, just check it out. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Just check it out. I can pick you up at the airport. So of course my surprise bingo ball brain cage is like pew, pew, pew. I think I can actually make this work. So I hung up the phone, called Brett, honey, I think I really want to go to BC this weekend. And he's like, um, okay. Uh, you think you can swing it? I said, I'm going to make it happen. So I'm sitting in the parking lot wherever I was, just at a mall or something like that. And I went on to Swoop and I started looking at prices. And when I got home that night, I booked the flight. Julie didn't know. Glenn didn't know. Only Darren knew. Her parents didn't even know. And I thought, you know, I'm going to make this happen. So I ended up flying out. Uh, Darren and Justine picked me up from the... No, that's not... No, no, this gets even better. So then I said to Jess Bushel, another bestie, I, guys, I don't really have that many. I just kind of throw my bestie card around with my real ones. <laughs> anyway, so I called Jess Bushel and I was like, yo, are, aren't you doing something this weekend? Like, aren't you flying out from Hamilton? She's like, yeah, I'm flying out to Abbotsford on whatever day it was. And I said, girl, me too. And she's like, what? So I said, yeah. So we ended up, I ended up just jumping into the Airbnb that she was staying at anyway. We took a taxi to the airport the next morning, which was sweet. Or my car. I don't even remember. Anyway, we both got to the airport, took the same flight over, got out in Abbotsford. Jess had rented a car. So she ended up taking me as far into the city as she could, where I met up with Darren and Justine, spent the day with them. And then Darren had mingled around, you know, on the phone with his parents saying, you know, um, where are you guys today? What's up? What are your plans? When are we doing the setup for the wedding? Whatever. So we ended up going to the Johnson's parents' place. I surprised them. Their parents just about lost it. They're like, oh my gosh, Julie doesn't know that you're here. Nope. Does Glenn? Nope. Are you the surprise? And I thought, well, I don't think so. It turned out that, that Glenn had a, a really beautiful surprise for Jules at the wedding, but I guess I was part of the surprise. So spent the afternoon with them. Then we all went over to the hall that evening and... I, I walked out of the truck and I was standing in the parking lot and Glenn was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? I said, well, duh, I'm here for, to be in your wedding. And then Julie had looked outside and she didn't have her glasses on and she couldn't put two and two together as to, you know, who Glenn was talking to. 
So I walked in and, you know, Jules is delegating as to what she wants done with this room in the hall for the reception. And then she kind of turned around and did, did a double take and a little squeak. And we had a bit of a tear up and a cry and got into work mode and set up for the wedding. And I was in the wedding the next day, which was amazing. She said, well, if you're here, you're obviously going to be in the wedding. So I was in the wedding and it was a magical, wonderful day. I am so appreciative to both of them for including me in that day. Uh, I, I When I was here out for their wedding, I just couldn't imagine having not been there. It just worked out so, so well. So yay for surprises and being in a trailer. Yes. I also had quite an interesting weekend because I had actually come into the trailer at the end of last week. And then Jules and Glenn had said, so you're going to have it for a night or two, but then we're actually going to have to take it away for the weekend. And here's me being like, um, okay. All right. We, I got this, we can do this. So they ended up actually taking it away for the weekend. And she said, there's one hook. Are you able to look after the dog for the weekend? And I said, well, yeah, obviously, of course I can. So guys, they don't just have a dog. They have a geriatric bulldog. She's like walking a mini fridge. And I love her very much, but she's a lot of work. So I got to hang out with Pork. That's her name. Pork Chop, Pork, The Pork, whatever you want to call her. Beefcake. She is, she's actually a real sweetheart. She's stubborn. But uh, yeah, so I got to spend my weekend with Pork and my little show pony. <laughs> so that was interesting. And now I'm back for the week in the trailer. And I did just get an email today about supply teaching for the Surrey District School Board. And I'm quite excited about that. Surrey is a massive school board. So that would be great. That would line up very nicely. The phone conversation is, is all it's going to be. And that's just going to happen tomorrow. And then I guess from there, I'll, I'll have more insights moving forward as to what the next steps are for that. Uh, but I, I did apply to a, a bunch of different school boards out here, um, hoping to hit the ground running, but because there is, they're still just doing some reorg stuff here and trying to figure out where they can place teachers. They're still scrambling for teachers out here, it sounds like. But what I'm hoping is that they are going to scoop me up because all of the teachers that I meet out here or people that know the, the teaching situation out in here in BC... They're like, wait, you've applied to seven different school boards out here and you haven't heard anything? That's a bit weird. Be patient because it's coming. Just hang tight. Okay, so I'm here to be patient and I'm pretty stoked about the just even the prospects of having some supply teacher work because that's going to fill up my time nicely. It's going to be great money. It's also going to help acquaint me with different areas of... BC, which I'm pretty stoked about. So I have applied to um, the greater Vancouver area. I did apply to the Vancouver District School Board, Surrey, Coquitlam, Burnaby, Maple Ridge, Langley, Abbotsford, Chilliwack. So like I said earlier, as far in as Chilliwack is basically what I'm looking at. But everyone seems super optimistic that Surrey is so big that I could pretty much work every day in Surrey. So I am okay with that. I had some people reach out, which I love, as you know, and ask me a few questions. One of them was a reference to um, something about uh, in, a, in a relationship or values or needs that are being met. And that made me think about love languages. I did not coin this fabulous term or even come up with them. That was Mr. Gary Chapman. So throwing it out there that Gary Chapman is the legend that has written this book about the love languages. It does have uh, very much of a, a Christian 
kind of flair to it. However, the overall message of the love languages is so powerful. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about that. If you've never heard of them, definitely do some research. There's actually a quiz that I can link at the bottom of this podcast for the notes. If you want to be like, ooh, what are my love languages? Let's talk about them. So there are five of them, five love languages, physical touch. I think that goes without saying that's pretty obvious. Physical touch, words of affirmation. So it has a lot to do with communication. It can be, you look beautiful. I appreciate you. Um, I love you. You look nice today. Thank you. You know, just communication is a big one. Words of affirmation. You want to feel noticed, but you want to hear it verbally. Gift giving, obviously very obvious (laughs) as well. Quality time. So that's just one-on-one time. You know, you're out doing something with your person. And then there's also acts of service. So that could be doing something for the person that you love or having someone do something for you if that's your love language. Acts of service, it could be changing the oil in your car, could be doing the dishes, could be doing the laundry, folding the laundry, making the bed, putting the kids to bed. It could be raking the lawn, cutting the grass, putting your winter tires on, I don't know, paying your bills, whatever, doing something for you. But then I think what people don't really dive into to the depths that I would, because this is the kind of stuff I love, (laughs) is understanding that not only are there the five love languages that you need to understand about yourself and how you most feel loved, but it's also understanding how you naturally give love languages and then how your partner does. So, you know, I know in past relationships of mine, okay, I'll tell you mine in order. My number one is actually words of affirmation. And then tied exactly, like exactly the same numbers of everything for second place are quality time and physical touch, then acts of service. And then the, the last one is gift giving. I don't need gifts. Okay, so then now we flip it. So in past relationships, there have been times where, you know, if, if my number one love language is words of affirmation and I want you to tell me that you like my sundress... <laughs> Or that my hair looks nice today or that I'm beautiful, even though I'm just hanging out in a Roots tracksuit and I look like a, you know, tired little dirt squirrel. I still want to hear, hear words. Talk to me. I'm a communicator. (laughs) Um, But if, you know, a partner hasn't been able to communicate like that, but they've been, you know, know, they brought me chocolates or wine or they, uh, you know, made me dinner and shoveled the deck and raked the lawn and maybe made the bed that day, is that those don't really tell me that my partner loves me as much as words of affirmation, quality time. So hanging out, come cuddle on the couch, or let's do a puzzle together or go on a walk, go on a hike, go in the boat, go on a canoe ride, something like that. Or physical touch, which is obvious. Hold my hand, hug me, kiss me. (laughs) Right. Okay. So those, so, but then it's also important to round that perspective again with acknowledging how your partner naturally loves you. So yes, they might not have told you that you look beautiful today or that they love you or appreciate you. However, they have made you dinner. They have raked the lawn. They have made the bed. They have put the laundry away, whatever, right? So just reminding yourself that, that your partner loves you and that they might need the, the occasional reminder to love you in your love language, but just making sure that you're acknowledging how they're loving you as best they can is really, really important. Yes bring that up in your relationships. I think it's really fun to do. It's, it really, uh, I actually heard about this a long time ago from friends of mine actually that went through like a pre-marriage counseling thing so that it was kind of like get to know your potential spouse 
they didn't even it's not even that they needed counseling it was just something more like a pre-marital thing that they went to which i think is really cool and that was when they actually started exploring it so i've known about these for a long time and i love diving into them i think that they're very powerful because if you know what it is that you want or need in a relationship and you've done the work to figure it out yourself, you can communicate better with your partner moving forward. And then this actually is making me think of a conversation that I only just had about knowing what you want in a partner. So, okay, yeah. Okay, so maybe I'll talk about that then. Because I just had a conversation about um, active dating. Like, you know, you're actively dating for you're you're trolling for a spouse or you're trolling for a partner and, and you're actually trying to dive deep into conversations early in, in your dating relationship with a person because you want to know how deep they run. What are their values? What are their love languages? What's their personality? You know, what sets them off? What are their aspirations? What are their big dreams? You know, what are their pet peeves? You got to dive deep into some of these things. So, but obviously not right on date one. Of course, you don't want to freak them out big time. However, early on in the dating relationship, you definitely want to check off the big bucket items because those are the ones that down the road could lead to a surprise. So actually, so a friend of mine that I was talking to today, I, you know, it said, so what happened to the person you were dating back in May and went to Bali with, you know, what the heck happened? And, uh, you know, they'd found out that this person didn't want kids and they'd been together for six months. And I thought, Ooh, okay. So, um, that didn't come up sooner. And I guess really, I haven't even, I've been in serious relationships for the last little while. So I haven't really had to have these big chats for, for a while. So maybe I'm out of this active dating game. Cause I'm certainly not actively dating right now. Uh, anyway, I just, it made me think more so I think of the importance of having these big conversations as an adult. Because also, if I was dating when I was in my mid-20s, maybe these types of conversations wouldn't have been on the radar. But as I get older, you know, and I know what I will and won't settle for, you know, you have to have these big adult conversations. And some of them are going to suck. And you might be not going to like the answer to, to what your person has to say back. But you need to also honor that. And you need to just respect what you need and also what they need the the kids one is a big one it's not a conversation that I think people would want to want to have but obviously these kinds of things are are, are big in relationships and it made me think after this conversation that we would had about how important it is to make sure that your values match but also your sense of humor because in a past relationship for me I love to laugh if you haven't picked that up yet I love laughing I love when people make me laugh. I love to make people laugh. Um, I obviously like to talk and hold space for other people, but big time, I really think that laughter is important and being silly is important. And, you know, you should chase that a little bit in your relationship. So in a relationship that I've had in the past, one of my biggest, oh my gosh, I need out of this relationship moments was I was driving to work and I was listening to the radio and I'd been having these kind of questions in my mind as to, you know, is this relationship the one for me? This, this guy is amazing. Um, he loves me more than anything. Is that enough? Uh, you know, there are different things where, where we differ, or I just don't think I'm my full biggest potential self in this relationship. I feel like I might be holding back a little bit, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so obviously with all of these things going through my head, I was on my way to work. I was listening to the radio, some stupid thing on country 105 back in Ontario. And I was laughing 
so hard listening to this weirdo (laughs) talk on the radio laughing to the point I had tears in my eyes and I almost had to pull over. And after I came down from that super massive laughing attack, I burst into tears. And it was that realization like, oh my gosh, I don't laugh in my relationship. I need out. I actually need out. This is going to suck. But I don't laugh like this and I need to laugh like this because God, that felt good. And when I'm around my friends and I can laugh like that, I want that in a partner. That's so, so, so important to me. So guys, laugh in your relationships. <laughs> um, and then it also made me think of of a, a breakup. You know, I'd actually had a listener reach out and be like, you know, you've, you've kind of alluded to how shitty March was for you and, you know, your breakup. Um, you know, and obviously you've kind of alluded to a few things in the past about, about heartbreak or about relationships that you've been in or that you've had, you know, can you, can you elaborate a little bit on a heartbreak? So without going into super full detail, um, I thought about being blindsided and this happened in university. Um, I, I'm not going to share his name, man. I was into this guy and he was super into me too. We, we really hit it off. We actually had a really great relationship for the time that we dated. I think we dated about a year. I don't even remember how we met. I think it was just, just at a bar in North Bay. If you know North Bay, (laughs) I think we met at the zoo in Cecil's when it was still the place to go. Anyway. Okay. So long story short of that, we were, we were really head over heels for each other and fell for each other very quickly. Um, we we were starting to make plans. Like I was like, this is the guy, this, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this guy. I loved his friends. He loved my friends. Um, no one had any real red flags or anything like that from him. He just fit in and it was great. So talk about being blindsided. So I was DD quite often, uh, throughout university and drove us home back to where I was staying in North Bay. And he, he kind of picked me up and he set me on the counter. He'd been drinking. So this liquid courage of course comes out and he's telling me all about how he just wants to live in the mountains and he wants to look after me. And he's telling me about the house that we're going to live in and he's going to provide for me and he can't wait to spend his life with me and we're going to get dogs. And he was even talking about the vehicles that we were going to drive. And he's like, I just can't wait to grow old with you. I just have pictures of all of these things that we're going to do in our life together. Here's me being like, okay, dude, put a ring on it. And, but also seeing this, right? I'm seeing what he's talking about. Well, two weeks to the day. We're laying in bed, in my bed, in my pink. They're not even pink. They were like these raspberry sheets. Guys, I could tell you to the T. I had a black duvet cover on and I had these raspberry pink sheets on and I look over and his, and he's looking at me. And then he looked up at the ceiling and he kind of rolled over on his back and then he kind of learned, learned and he looked over at me again and he goes, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, what? And he looked at me again and he said, I don't, I can't, I can't do this. I'm, I'm really sorry. And I was so, so caught off guard. I was so blindsided by this. And I remember sitting up and looking at him going, is this a joke? Like, what is this? Two weeks ago, he said, yeah, I know what I said two weeks ago. He said, I've been thinking a lot about it. He said, I just, I, I'm in, I'm 
in a really messy headspace at the moment. And I think that I really have to deal with these things on my own. Holy, the next two weeks of that sucked. I hardly ate. Um, I could hardly smile. It was awful. My friends, you know, were, were really upset for me as well, thinking, you know, this just doesn't seem right. We didn't see this coming. Um, anyway, so we kind of talked on and off over the next couple of weeks while I was trying to digest this life switch. You know, it's two weeks ago, I was thinking about spending the rest of my life with this guy. I think I was 22, 3, 23 years old. And he was a four years older than me. Anyway, so I was head over heels for this guy. And now all of a sudden he's not in my life and was getting a little bit nasty. He didn't want to be in my life anymore, apparently. It turned out that he had declared bankruptcy, was in a really awful financial situation, had put himself into debt working out west uh, years prior to meeting me. And then he went and he did his electrical ticket and whatever. And yeah, was traveling around until he got his journeyman and... Man, yeah, so that was awful. Talk about being blindsided. But again, that comes down to the communication and the importance of communication and importance of communication early on in a relationship. So there you go. There's there's a personal story of mine. But yeah, that that breakup really, really sucked. Um, and I think too that early in university, I think that that's kind of why my interest in communication became so much of a big deal for me because I'd been blindsided and because I was starting to see in other people's relationships and in friendships, you know, the, the importance of communication. It is so freaking key. You guys to know how you communicate, to know what closes you down, shuts you down, what makes it hard to communicate. And then If you have something that you are all choked up about, chances are it is something that needs to come out. If you have that lump in your throat, that emotional thing, that is screaming volumes from inside that you have something that you need to choke out through emotion to someone. Really embrace your emotion in that. Uh, Communication actually for a little while was actually one of my insecurities. You know, (laughs) even just most recently in, in relationships because I'm emotional And I really dislike how the term emotional has been used negatively against people, regardless of gender, who, you know, might get upset or might get excited or feel angry or feel frustrated or be over the moon elated about something. I think that's beautiful. I think it's really great to be able to embrace your emotions that way. But being called emotional, in my opinion, is not bad. I will happily wear the title of being an emotional person because I feel my feelings deep. Now, with an insecurity though of that, I felt it was really difficult or like it was silly of me to communicate through tears. And that's often why I bit my tongue and I didn't actually communicate what mattered to me was because I either felt like it wasn't going to be well received or I didn't feel like I was going to have space held for me to cry through what I needed to communicate, good, bad, happy, or sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's an insecurity, I also had someone ask about what my biggest insecurities were. So I guess I'll tell you a few of those. Uh, Here we go. Real raw emotional. So I'll tell you about some of my biggest insecurities. I have had glasses since I was in grade four. Grade four, I think. Not grade, grade three or grade four, whatever. And Ever, and they're, they're awful. My eyes are really, um, I wouldn't say awful. Actually, I can live life without them if I needed to. It's just, I'd be squinty. 
but you know how some people, I guess when they take off their glasses, they, there's no way they're getting anywhere. I could actually get by. You wouldn't want me to drive a car, but if I really needed to get to the hospital in an emergency, I could do it. Having said that, my prescription is the kind that magnifies. So it magnifies my eyeballs. And that means that if I have even the smallest amount of makeup or mascara on my eyes, my eyes look even bigger. And I just recently changed my glasses frames to a bigger frame. And you wouldn't think for anyone that has glasses or a minimum or very minuscule type prescription, you don't recognize just how difficult buying glasses can be when you have to worry about things that you have to worry about when you have a heavy prescription. In my case, lens jump or the fact that my face looks like it's a meter wide, you know, based on whatever angle you're looking through my eyes. You want to know why this security or insecurity, sorry, comes up every now and then is because people will make that comment. I'll take off my glasses and they'll be like, oh, your eyes are really small. Or I'll put my glasses back on after having had them off or having worn my contacts for a day or something like that. And it'll be the opposite. Oh my gosh, your eyes are big. Or can I see your glasses? You know, for anyone that wears glasses or has a heavy prescription, you probably are like cheering or clapping or something because it can really get to you. Um, or how's this one? When you take your glasses off and someone will, and I wear them all the time. Like basically I rely on these things, right? They're beside my bed. I put them on as soon as I wake up. I take them off before I go to bed. They're on my face. Either these ones are my prescription sunnies. That's what I need to survive. And when I take them off, and someone will say, wow, you look really pretty without your glasses. <laughs> Thanks, because I'm just a dirtbag. I'm hideous with them on. Like, what? Or if they say something like, wow, yeah, I really prefer you with your glasses off. Thanks, as if your opinion really matters. It's not like I'm going to pay 10 friggin' thousand dollars to get my eyes lasered because I'm not a candidate for LASIK. Wow. Okay, I got heated about that. Sorry, guys. But yeah, so there is an insecurity and you just heard it. So that is definitely one. Um, another one would actually, so physically would be, it's, it's like some women are so hard on themselves. We call it a tire and it's basically the extra weight that you would carry directly below your belly button, which I'm going to first be grateful for and give praise to, because that is actually an area on the woman's body that if this woman so chooses to host a child, that that is the space for it to happen. So extra skin, extra pudge, extra whatever, fluff, love, handle, you name it, needs to be there, is there for a reason. It is there to grow, to expand, and to help make a child. And that is damn cool. So even if I don't have a child, maybe I will, I don't know, at this point it's not in the cards, but even if I didn't, my body my genetic makeup, my gender, everything about me and my body is meant to host a child. So that little tire that I'm, yes, kind of indirectly giving some praise to is there for a reason. Obviously, every body is different. This is just how mine's shaped. And I may not be super stoked all the time about what it physically looks like, but damn it, I love it. I love the fact that my body can do so many cool things it takes me around the world. It is healthy. You know, it is mobile. I get to use my two feet in a heartbeat to explore this globe, to walk around the mall, to go on walks with my best friend like I just did this afternoon. I do cool things with this body. And sometimes people even find it attractive. What a thought. I may look at myself in the mirror from time to time and be like, Ugh, Amanda, you know, girl, you got to get to the gym or 
you know, wow, you're, you're looking pretty fit. You know, your exercise routine's really, really paying off. Go girl. Or, you know, I don't have a tan or I do have a tan. We're often our own worst critics, but that has been an insecurity for me is that, and even in, in the relationships that I've been in, it, you know, I love to cuddle, but always if, if my person wraps their arm around me and it is lower than my belly button and it's just hovering around that middle region, I, I always reach down and I grab it and I move it and I pull it in tight around my ribs or, you know, I put it out in front of me or something like that because that is one of my biggest insecurities. There you have it. There's another insecurity and that one's real. And I bet you that there are some other people out there that are totally feeling that one, but let's just high five someone for the body that is meant to carry a child and has an extra bit of weight below the belly button you know what? Cause people actually, as I was growing up, because I do have my waist, my actual physical waist is small. I'm curvy, but my waist is small, but I got hips. I got hips and those curves, you know, so from the side, that was always one of my biggest things too, is that from my rib cage, it goes in at my belly button and then it comes out at my tire, my, my, my host tire, we can call it. So these are all of the things that I'm just like, oh, but I don't have the six pack or I don't have the flat tummy that everyone wants, or I have to wear certain clothes that actually flatter this shape. Guys, I recognize now having said all of this, that these are first world problems. I'm just sharing. Okay. And then uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about where I would never, ever regret this is, was, was my teeth. And I had, um, I had Invisalign. And my parents never had benefits while we were growing up. And because my teeth were symmetrical in my jaw, my parents had always said, well, the dentist says you don't need braces. Therefore, we're not getting braces because your teeth are symmetrical in your jaw. And or my dad, my dad always got me. He'd always say something like, Amanda, it gives you character. And here's me being like, dad, they are ugly and I hate them. So my front two teeth uh, stuck out quite a bit and they, um, they just had an odd just an odd, like triangular kind of look to them from a distance. And then my, the teeth beside those in my eye teeth were back a bit. And then my eye teeth were out of it. So again, because they were symmetrical, people never really said anything or noticed it. Or if I brought it up as an insecurity, they're like, oh, wow, I never thought anything like that. Well, for a person that laughs a lot and smiles all the time and can't even help it, um, you know, I, I even would just hold up my hand if I was laughing uncontrollably about something to hide my smile. So, I, when I got back in 2015 from Australia, I thought a lot about this and I thought, you know what? Maybe this is something that I actually can do. I'm going to save up my money and I am going to get Invisalign. I went to Dr. Butera in Halliburton County and I got Invisalign and I think it took me eight to 10 months. I can't really remember the timeline. I remember having them for a certain length of time. And then he said, you know, basically this is that you know, week, week or two, two week window where it's like, if you need more trays or you want more trays or you want anything else shifted, speak now so that we can continue this treatment. So I had another adjustment. I think it was another few sets of trays and now I have straight teeth and I still have one that moves a little bit that I have to wear, um, a retainer or a night guard nightly for first world problem. Again, I'm totally okay with it because I put the money into them, but I, would suggest that anybody that can save up their money, because at that point I didn't have benefits and benefits don't cover for aesthetics, like the aesthetically pleasing stuff. If I actually had some 
teeth that were overlapping or, um, I don't know, something that needed, I, I physically needed the, the surgery or braces or oral dentistry surgery, blah, 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 whatever. Then yes, maybe I could have had some covered, but in this case, it was just because I wanted to change the look of my smile. So I had to pay five and a half thousand dollars at the time to have them straightened. And I would never, ever regret that because when I look at the before and afters, I'm like, man, I should have done that a long time ago because it's so different to be able to smile confidently unless I've had a chia pudding (laughs) and I've got some chia seeds in my teeth. But you get the point. You get the point that for someone who just laughs all the time and is just so wired for positivity and optimism to want to hide your smile really sucks. So that was definitely a big, big one for me. Okay. I also wanted to talk about the difference between hope and expectation, because this has come up for me in the last little while, the difference between hope and expectation. And because it's September, I'm also going to talk about the fact that in a classroom, this is, I always tell my students that I don't have rules. I have expectations. I hold my expectations high. I keep my expectations high because I know that you guys can all meet them and match them. And that for me is also kind of in life though, where expectations, you have to really kind of think about the expectations that you're setting for yourself and for those around you. And then, and then you have to be able to separate yourself from them or separate the emotion from them. Because re realistically, expectations or expectations vary based on the environment that you're in. When it comes to life, I'm going to use only just because this has been like a topic of conversation amongst many of my friends of mine and I lately is if you hold an expectation to see someone, meet someone, or go on a date, or I don't know, if you are expecting to hear from someone, if you are expecting to see this person again, and you are banking on that, that's going to lead to disappointment if it doesn't happen. Whereas if you're hopeful about it, you can smile about it, and you can get excited, but you're not expecting it to happen. Therefore, if you know, a person that you want to see has maybe started seeing someone else or you're supposed to meet up with someone and their plans have changed. You're not sinking back down into disappointment or sadness of any sort. You're in fact just going with the flow. You're maintaining your groove and you're still looking out for yourself and maintaining your own sense of of happiness and, and goals and whatever. And the reason I bring that up is because hope is something that you can have towards everything. Whereas expectation, I think you really need to evaluate the expectations that you have on yourself. That's a big one. On your partner or your spouse and on your environment. (laughs) So try and think about the different expectations that you place on people and think about the realistic or the, the level of reality to each one of them so that you're not creating unnecessary disappointments in your life guys, I talked about goals and I also wanted to tell, cause I talked about this last week about how my goals for September were housing, job, food, and fitness. So eating well and working out again, which is really great. Well, let me tell you, obviously I mentioned the chit chat that I'm going to be having with the Surrey district school board about working for them as an occasional teacher or out in BC, they call it a TOC, which is a teacher on call supply teacher, substitute, whatever you want to call it around the world elsewhere. Basically a fill-in. I'm super stoked about that. 
that makes me feel like I'm actually living in BC now. But then get this, I also got a place to live. And that doesn't start until October 1st. So after the house sitting gig that I do for Julie's family, I have a place to actually unpack my things, hang up my clothes, put my suitcase away for a little bit, put out my stuff into a shower that I'm going to be in for several months. And that feels so good. I also wanted to tell you about some of the other goals that I have. So I have goals, oh yes, because I got business cards and my business cards are coming, well they should be here early next week, and my goals for <laughs> for September, because I actually write my goals down you guys, I write them down and I put little boxes, I draw little boxes beside them, and then as I get my goals I check them off just like my bucket list, which we, we can go through one day if you're keen, I'll tell you all about my bucket list. But my goals for September, so housing, check, figured that one out. I am so close to checking off the job. Uh, and the food, I've been eating pretty well this month. And that's kind of got a half check because I just had some chocolate-covered raisins this week. <laughs> they were good. And I, um, and then the other one is fitness. So I've actually been getting back into that. And it's been really lovely being back with Julie, too, because Julie and I will, you know, go on a walk or do a workout or something like that together, which feels really great. And then I also had just start meeting new people. And for someone who is an introvert, extrovert like me, yes, I love my alone time, but I'm also confident enough to go and just shake someone's hand. Or if I'm standing beside them in line, be like, nice shirt or nice shoes or how's it going? What's the weather like? Blah, blah, blah. You know, just talk to these people and, you know, you kind of strike up a conversation. So I've been trying to tell two to three people a day, if I'm out, obviously, if I'm not going far, well, then it just doesn't really seem to make much sense. But I'm trying to tell people naturally about the podcast. I'm not just going to be like, hey, so do you listen to podcasts? Ever heard of the Safe Haven podcast? You should totally listen to it. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. No. But if it comes up naturally in a conversation like it did today, where someone's asking, you know, well, what keeps you busy? Well, that's a perfect segue into telling them, right? And then I can tell them about the Safe Haven podcast. And then, you know, hopefully they get into it and they find something that really resonates with them. And then they think, oh my gosh, you know, I listened to this episode about postpartum depression and that really hit home. You know, thanks so much to China for sharing that vulnerable story because, I'm currently dealing with that and I felt super connected to that. Or, you know, oh my gosh, my aunt's house burnt down two years ago and she's dealing with a lot of the things that Nancy was dealing with. Wow, Nancy, I should totally reach out and say hey to her. Or, you know, wow, my parents were drug addicts and Michelle, you're a legend. Or, holy Victoria, you've got an online marketing business that allows you to be in Honduras for nine months of the year? That is so cool. There are some awesome stories. If you are just tuning in now for the first time ever, hey, welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. You should check out my guests because they're awesome. And I've got some really cool ones coming up. <laughs> and I also wanted to take that as an opportunity to remember, or not to remember because I already know it, to remind you as listeners, and especially to my people and following in Ontario, I'm coming back to Ontario. I haven't left you forever. The list of people that I have that extends well into another year of content, a lot of you guys are in Ontario. I haven't forgotten about you. I am coming back. I'm just trying to chase some content and establish myself in Vancouver for a little while before I come home. And then I'm going to spend second semester back in Ontario doing my job, teaching high school online. And uh, we'll see where that goes from there. So I will take this as an opportunity to thank 
everybody listening for your support. Thank you for the messages. Thank you for connecting with my guests, the guests that I've had, the guests that are coming. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for your positivity when you are reaching out or, you know, sharing your own personal stories with them because the connection means so much to the guest who's actually been vulnerable enough to share their story. But thanks to you, because you're actually being vulnerable by reaching out to these guests as well. So good for you. And another thank you goes out to the people that have actually taken up my invite of coming at me with your story, emailing me, sending me a message online, whether it's Instagram or on Facebook, or emailing me at the safehavenpodcast at gmail.com to share your story so that you can be added to the list. As people are listening, they think, you know what? That really reminds me of such and such or this time in my life or this time in so-and-so's life. Maybe I should reach out to them and, and have them connect with Amanda. Or maybe I should just reach out and connect with Amanda too because I think that my story really needs to be shared. So for all of you that are feeling this way, that's what I want to happen. That is how this podcast continues because as I say it almost every week, this is not my podcast. I'm helping facilitate the story sharing and the storytelling, and giving a platform for these stories to get out, this podcast is yours. This is for everybody else. And that's why I'm trying to put the the effort into the more consistent sound, chasing the content, you know, broadening the audience, including stories from people of all, all genders, which I'm super excited because Kaz's story is coming up in two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks. And that is very exciting. Uh, I really hope that you've checked out the reflective page that I'm talking about on the Podbean website because Kaz is sharing his story. Kaz was born as a female, transitioned to male at 17 years old, and I'm really, really excited for Kaz's story to drop. It is going to be coming out. Let me look at my calendar here. Kaz's story comes out on the 26th, which is actually a TGIT episode. So it is, in fact, in two weeks. Look at me go. I'm good with my time sometimes. Yes. That is going to be a fabulous story. And I also wanted to just briefly mention that the algorithm <laughs> on Instagram sucks and it's really hard to acquire a following um, quickly. So that's why it means so, so much to me that when these stories, when these messages, when the guests' messages really resonate with you, that you tell someone about it because you don't realize just how much a story needs to be shared until it's been shared or how much you've needed to hear someone's message until you've heard it and you went, oh my gosh, did I ever need to hear that? So definitely keep sharing, keep spreading this because the international community that it's creating, this international family is so beautiful and I'm so happy to help host it and to help be that network and, and facilitate that storytelling platform. I think that does it, guys. Happy Thursday. Have a fabulous weekend. I appreciate every single one of you. Please make sure that you subscribe, like, rate. Rating is important. So is reviewing. And share these episodes and then comment as you follow along. I always love reading the comments and I appreciate them so much. Your generous support keeps the sharing and messages coming your way. You can find the Safe Haven podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on Podbean. I'm also working towards Google Play, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. So stick with me for that. Uh, yeah. You can also follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven podcast for the latest updates. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week.